Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Come on, can we put our hands together and can we give a shout of praise to Jesus this morning? Come on. Man, tell somebody next to you as you're making your way to your seat, tell them God is good. Man, God is good. And man, I don't know about you, but man, it's so good to be in the, in the house of the Lord. It's so good to be here, especially when you wake up and it's 70 degrees outside. And I don't know about you. I was like, I gotta go get a sweater. It's cold out here. But it just reminds me of, uh, man, what the season is and the season of being thankful and the season of, you know, turning to a brother and a sister or a family member or a friend and saying, man, I'm so thankful for you. I hope we never stop being thankful for the people around us. I hope we never lose that gift, that ability to say, I love you and I'm so thankful for you. So, Father, we are thankful for you this morning. We are so thankful. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You know, if you've been uh, here for the past couple weeks, we just started a, a new series. We're on part two of a series called Next Steps. And if you're tuning in online, I want to say thank you for joining us and welcome you. My name is Jacob, uh, one of the pastors here. And yes, maybe I have to clarify some things uh, up here that my dad has said. You know, I, I used to think, you know, when you're the pastor's kid, you always get picked on. And I thought when I became a pastor and I was in, under his leadership that I would stop getting picked on. But I guess that's not the, I guess that's not the case. Uh, I love you, Dad, and I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> Um, we're in a two-part series called Next Steps, and if you were here last week, and if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go listen to it, but, um, you know, we looked at it as a believer, you know, I'm saved, now what? And as a believer, as I step into the faith, as I come to know who Jesus is, as I, you know, maybe buy a Bible, and depends on what level of your faith, you know, you might get a name on it or something like that, but as, as I start to do these things, God, what's next for my life? What's next for me? And so we talked about a bunch of them. We looked at Acts chapter 2, and my dad talked about, you know, a, a new you, a new way of living, reading the Bible, you know, sharing your faith, witnessing, you know, uh, figuring all these things out and, and praying and, and saying, God, how can I do better? How can I grow more? And so today, you know, I want to ask the question, now that we're here, right, now that we're saved, now that we're in the church, now that uh, we're supposed to grow, tell somebody next to you, you're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be learning. We've got to remain teachable. So now that I'm here, now that I'm in the church, now that um, I've been saved, uh, you know, maybe I've been baptized, or maybe I'm signing up to get baptized December 13th, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, I've done all those things, so, so now what? How, how can I do this together? How can I do this collectively in, in, in the church? How can I start to take some practical steps now that I'm here? So if you're taking any notes, I'm going to give you the title today. It's, I'm in the church, now what? I'm in the church, now what? Let's pray one more last time. Father, we read your word. We present it, Lord, I present it to the, to the body of Christ. And God, would you do what I cannot do, and that is uh, preach conviction and preach truth, things that maybe I can't even say. Would your Holy Spirit be moving and working? Lord, I don't know where people are today. I don't know how much they know or how much they uh, don't know. But what I do know is that you are good, and you are good all the time. And so as we present your truth, Lord, would it change us? Would it challenge us? Would it convict us. And as we talk about being the body, Lord, we know in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about we are the body of Christ. And being in the body of Christ, Lord, we all have different parts. We play different roles, not all entirely the same one. But together, God, together when we unite, we can do crazy things for your kingdom. 
And when one part suffers, every part suffers. But when one part is honored, when one part rejoices, it says the whole body rejoices. So as we talk about this, Lord, as we dive in on more of a practical side of what our next step can be, would you show us Jesus? And we ask these things in your name. Amen. As I mentioned before, you know, if you're a, a native South Floridian like myself, you know, 70 degrees is cold. 60 degrees, it might as well be snowing. All that to me just means Christmas Eve at VLC. It's right around the corner. Come on, somebody. Yes, you put your hands together for that. Come on. So mark your calendars, December 24th. Uh, we're going to do a service right here. We always do, and we have a type of, you know, children's element, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So if you've already made plans, go ahead and cancel those plans and make sure you're, make sure you're here for, for Christmas um, at Victory Life. I'm really excited about that. You know, growing up, I, uh, I would uh, often, you know, whether it was in the sports field, I would, you know, there, there were people, there were kids who were really passionate about playing sports, and then there were those who their parents were really passionate about their kids playing sports. You know what I'm talking about? Now, if my kid can't play sports, that's all right, because I'm going to be one of those parents that are passionate about my kid getting out there and performing. And he, he for sure ain't getting that participation award, all right? He lose, he loses. So, uh, uh, it's just, uh, so I'm, I'm learning, right? It's just some, some, some parent counseling that I may need in my life. But you know, yeah, you could really differentiate those who knew how to play and those who didn't know how to play. And I remember uh, baseball in high school, I had a kid show up and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm joining the team. And I was like, dude, you, you do not know how to play baseball. He's like, nah, nah, I, I ain't about playing. I'm just about joining the team. I want to be a part. And I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm a little concerned for his life, you know, you know, that he could potentially die playing this game because he just doesn't know how to do it. And his excuse was, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, Jacob. That's why I'm coming, and that's why I'm joining the team. And, you know, I think many Christians like myself at times, and maybe us in this room, we just show up on Sundays because we simply want to stay out of trouble. Because we got we to, gotta, you know, mark some or check off some checklist so we have to, you know, you know in, in impress the spouse and, and let them know that my priorities are straight on Sunday. And we do a really good job at that. But, man, we, we, we do a good job maybe at being a part, but do we really do our part? You know what I'm saying? We do a good job at being a part of the church, but do we do a good job at doing what the church is supposed to do? Are we just chilling and sitting and checking off a list, or are we actually putting our hands and our feet to the service of God, to build the kingdom of God for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen? So we have to ask ourselves this question. You know, I've been a part of the church for quite some time. Um, you know, my, my priorities are straight, uh, but I, do I really have a desire to contribute? Do I really have a desire to grow? Do I really have a desire, you know, to really be a part of what God is doing? I mean, I get the verse of the day sent to my phone every single morning, so I'm pretty spiritual. I, I've even got my membership card. But do you have ownership? Do you have ownership of this place, of the body of Christ? Are you just saved and go to church and check it off? Or is God wanting you to do more? Now, I want to I preface this by saying, you know, to me and maybe to my dad, this is kind of like church family business for us here at VLC. If you're watching it online, maybe you're new, maybe you're fairly new. Uh, this would give you an idea of really what we mean and what, the church of Christ and the body of Christ really embodies. And so if you're new or fairly new or you've been here for 120 years, uh, maybe this will be helpful for you to say, you know what, this is why we're here. In fact, tell somebody next to you, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. And so in Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 22, 
we find a, a group of people who are amazed at the teachings of Jesus and also confused at the teachings of Jesus. They're like, yo, Jesus, that, that, was, that was fire, but I have no idea what that meant. And he often taught in parables. These were earthly stories uh, with heavenly meanings. And so they were a bit confused at times, and not, not always did he explain it all, but you, you, you had these religious elite people who were like, yeah, I know this all, and I've got this all, but now they're in a position where they don't know it all. I mean, you know people that think they know it all, and then they're put in a spot where they don't know it all, and it's like, yo, I don't, they don't like to be there. That's like the best to put somebody like that there. And, and here they are trying to question Jesus in hopes to entrap Jesus, to get a response from Jesus that would issue an arrest of Jesus. And so it goes on to say in Matthew 22, verse 35, one of them, which is one of these experts in the law, he tests them with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And oftentimes these people would argue about out of all the commandments that there were, which one of the greatest was. And so Jesus replied in verse 37, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your what? Mind. He says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself and all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, for the past eight years, I was under a pastor who preached the scripture all of the time. And it's stressful to think that you got to embody this whole thing. And God says, just embody those two things and everything else is going to make sense. Everything else is going to come into play. This is not necessarily easy, but it's going to be a little bit more easier if you can embody these two things. Now, I know this is no easy task because the body of Christ, but if we are to truly love God, if we're to truly step out in faith and say, God, I want to know you, I want to love you, I want to have a relationship with you, it's going to involve some will and it's going to involve some heart. But ultimately what it does, you say, God, I love you, this all of a sudden that nature compels you to say, now in obedience I serve you. Yeah? Now in obedience, I don't know what it is. I just, I get to be a part of this. And so that, that, that in your heart, that, that mindset that says, God, I love you, I wanna serve you, now it becomes something that I get to do, not something that I have to do. And so it's this right relationship that makes these commandments a little bit easier. So I put it this way in John 14, 31. God, it says, but if I do as the Father has commanded me, if I do, somebody say do, if I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world, so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, if the relationship is right, the commands are going to be easy. Not crazy easy, but a little bit easier. But if the relationship is wrong, some of you know what I'm talking about, it ain't that easy. But it's a little easier to follow them because you're doing it not out of a place of being forced, but out of a place of saying, I do get to, I, I want to, but if the relationship is wrong, then these commands, this whole thing is like, yo, this is hard, this is difficult, this is crazy to think that somebody would expect me to obey all of this. Now Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of this hangs on those two things. So if we, if we understand that now love that we have is the basis of obedience, and it's not something that can be forced, now it becomes something that I get to do, not have to do. And so if I love God, loving people is a no-brainer. Serving people is a no-brainer. In fact, tell the person next to you, I love you. Not like that, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, some of you are a little too like, I love you. I would do that to my wife but maybe nobody else. We have to be committed to that. And when we're committed to this, 
Church, when we're committed to this, loving God and loving people, ultimately we want others to experience what we experience. We want others to experience the goodness of God. We want others to experience who he is. As I step out and know God, I want people to know God. As I step out and find the freedom and my chains are broken, I want people to experience the same thing I experience. I want them to discover their purpose. I want them to start walking and making a difference. I want people to experience the goodness and the grace and the mercy that I've experienced through Jesus. I mean, come on, some of you have experienced it even more. You've got brothers and sisters and neighbors and coworkers who are far from it. You should crave that they crave what you crave. And so maybe God is saying, step out, love me first. Loving them is going to be a little bit easier. And in fact, once you start loving them, they may experience this exact same thing to experience. I want us to know God. I want us to find that freedom. I want us to discover our purposes And I certainly want us to start making a difference, church. I hope we are never so comfortable that we have forgotten that this life is a battle, that this life is a struggle. I hope we're never content to where we never find ourselves making any progress in life, never advancing in our journey. In fact, John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to give you life. And I want to give it to you, the fullness. The fullness I want to find the fullness of God. I want to obtain the freedom of God. I want to experience what Jesus intended me to experience, the knowing who God is, the finding that freedom, the discovering my purpose in my life and in your life, and then to go out and start making a difference. And I think some of us, we kind of stop at the first one. I know it. I got it. I memorized it. And God's like, well, you ain't doing nothing about it. So it's time. Tell somebody next to you, it's time. It's time. So Paul begins to better explain these responsibilities in Christ that we now have and we now walk in. And one of those responsibilities is unity. And so I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 if you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he explains in the beginning some of these uh, positions that God has created. And I'll explain this in a second. But I think this is important for us to know as I pass Ephesians in my Bible. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. I'm going to read it in my Bible. It may be a little different on the screen. But uh, verse 11, it says, It was he who gave Jesus, he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare, the translations would say, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until, somebody say until, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, again, here's this word, of the fullness of Christ. So God appoints spiritual leaders. You have apostles, you have prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. Your apostles, you know, Jesus had many disciples, but he, he, he ordained or selected or appointed a few that he called Apostles that did ministry a little bit differently. They laid the foundation of the church. Now you have the prophets who don't just predict the future, which there are probably are many today that are attempting to do that. For Their primary function is to, it was to proclaim the, the good news, the, the gospel, the, the scriptures that many people did not have at that time. Now you have the evangelists who simply travel around and talk about Jesus and see people come to know, you know Jesus. Many pastors today are more evangelical in their ministry style. Now you have pastors and teachers who are the shepherds, who are the leading the flock, who are feeding the flock. Many of what we see today, which you have here. And so God appoints these, these spiritual leaders over the body of Christ. 
so that we can equip the body of Christ, the pastors and teachers can equip the body of Christ to do, somebody say do, to do the work of the ministry. So, in other words, if the body of Christ was absent, then we perhaps could not do what is being asked here. So you got to have the pastors and teachers, the shepherds, and you got to have the body of Christ. You see, it's made up of believers. God appoints the spiritual leaders, and he says, you are here to be equipped to now go and, and so that we can reach unity and we can reach the fullness that God has intended us to reach. So tell somebody next to you. Tell them, we belong to each other. We affect each other, and we need each other. Psalm 133.1 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Come on, somebody. You've seen that. You may have experienced that, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So pastors and shepherds and teachers are equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, essentially making you owners of the house, owners who are on mission, owners who have purpose, helping people understand that living God's way is the best way. So what do we do? What are our next steps? I want to give you four if you're taking notes today. Four next steps, super practical, things that everybody can take. And, and if you're sitting here today and Maybe I can give you a little warning if you think that this isn't for you and you're just nudging your partner saying, you better listen up. You got a next step in your life. I know what it is. He's about to say it, so you got to do it. Uh, just, this is for you. Take this for you as well. Maybe you've made a thousand steps. Maybe there's a thousand and one steps that more than you need to take, all right? So four simple steps. But one that's not one of the four, my dad mentioned last week, and that was baptism. Uh, December 13th, we're doing it. Jesus says, believe and be baptized. If you're an adult, if you're a kid, if you have kids, if you know people who are saying, you know what, I know that they've been saved, but they have not made that public declaration of faith. Let's do it here. We could do it at a pool. We could do it at a, at a lake. We could do it at a jacuzzi. That would be really nice. We could do it at some other place. But we're going to do it here at church where all the body of Christ is here rejoicing. Remember when one part of the body rejoices, everybody rejoices. So come on, December 13th, we're going to baptize some people outside. It might be cold, but it's God, so it doesn't matter. Amen. I'm not saying you got to be re-baptized if you haven't been baptized. So maybe you are baptized when you are a lot younger. You don't remember. This may be the time for you to sign up. You can do that at vlcministries.com slash baptism. All right, four things, four practical next steps. Number one, invite. Somebody say invite. You know, I don't think it's ever been easier to invite people to church now with social media. You know, if you're watching online right now, it's real simple. You just... Hit that share button. I mean, it's never been easier to share our faith. It's never been easier to share the gospel. It's never been easier to in invite people to church. Yeah, we can become tactical with it. And I remember years ago, we used to have these like little flyers and we used to go to the mall. I was at the Sawgrass Mall. We used to hand out little flyers to invite people to church. Now, I don't know about you, but if I see somebody with a flyer in their hand, I'm usually not making eye contact with that. Right? That's every, every time I walk in the mall, who do I avoid? The people at the kiosk. Man, because they got a sales pitch like none other. I feel convicted that I'm leaving and abandoning them, but I don't want anything to do with what they're trying to sell me. But this was me as a kid. I was sitting there with an invite card saying, you know, hey, uh, we'd love to see you at church. We'd hand out all these invite cards, and then we'd leave the mall. We felt like, you know, real, real confident. I think maybe, maybe, Sean, you were there when we used to do that back in the day. We'd walk out the doors, and all those invite cards would be in the trash right by the doors. Now, maybe one came, and really for us, that one was worth it. 
But yeah, we can become tactical. Yeah, we can become even practical about it. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing like having a personal conversation with somebody. There's nothing like having a personal conversation where somebody can hear the tone and see the conviction that you have and see what God has done in your life. And so now it becomes a little bit different. Now I've developed a relationship with somebody who I've been talking to who now knows what I believe and who I believe in. And so now my invite to come to church comes across a little bit nicer, a little bit kinder, with a little bit more conviction, with a little bit more believability now. You know, it's real easy to just say, hey, show up to church, show up to church, show up to church. But I got to be honest with you. People who don't want anything to do with Jesus don't want to show up to church. Amen? I mean, some of you have been inviting your lost friends for years now. And you're like, why haven't they come, God? Because they don't want anything to do with church. I've asked you to be the church. Go to where they are. How about you be a witness before you decide to invite them first? You see, they may show up now that you start walking this gospel out where they can actually see it and they can believe it. They don't want to show up here because there may be a bunch of hypocrites. And to that I would say, we have room for one more hypocrite, so show up on Sundays. And so inviting people, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 we read about it last week. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Come on. I want to be a church where souls are being added weekly, monthly, yearly. At some point, come on, we got to see some souls added to the kingdom of God. So invite some people, whether it's your coworker that you know doesn't know Jesus or your neighbor that says they know Jesus. Man, get them to church. And if they won't come, be the church. Maybe they'll come later. The important thing is they need the church. They need this community. They need to be a part of the body. They have a role to play. So get them here. We got people praying. We got people singing. We got a pastor preaching, but more importantly, we got the Holy Spirit leading. So get him here to church. Come on, amen. Invite somebody to church. Let's experience the fullness of Christ together. Maybe your next step today is simply inviting somebody. You've never done it. You've never shared a post. You've never reached out. You've never knocked on a door. You've never had a conversation. I'm not saying the first words out of your mouth got to be, come to church with me next Sunday. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Hey, by the way, and a lot of times that works. Second one is this, if you're taking notes. Again, we're talking practical. You know, we talked spiritual individually last week about some, some spiritual next steps that I can take in my life. So today is how can I, as a church, as the body of Christ, begin to step out where I can be used and God can be glorified. And so the second one is teams. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have. How many in here have some gifts? It's all right to be prideful. Come on, how many of you have some gifts in here? I ain't talking about Christmas gifts. I'm talking about skill sets. Maybe you can sing. Maybe in the shower you can sing. Maybe you're good with kids. Maybe you have a smile. That's a gift. I don't know. Maybe you have a good personality. That is a gift that's very rare these days. So maybe you got one of those. Peter says, each of you should use a whatever gift you have received to serve others. Wait a minute, God. The gifts and talents you've given me is not for me. And not to, to, to build trophies and status and fame and success and money. Uh, use the gifts that you have received to serve others. Ah, that's a different mindset now. Now what you're saying is what you've given me is really for me to lay down and give to others. Maybe. It says it's faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know, we hear it said a lot, and, and maybe you've been in church probably a lot longer than me. But I've, I'd, I'd find people who are like, Yo, I, I don't need the church. 
I receive elsewhere. You ever heard that before? I, I receive elsewhere. In fact, my personal study time, I receive. My, uh, my, my own devotional time, I receive. I listen to 20 sermons a day. That's a lot of sermons. You have a life? I receive. Man, I just, I just receive all the time. And, and I, to that I would say, that's amazing that you can receive outside of this. That's amazing. You have a personal study time. That's amazing that you spend that much time in the word of God. That is amazing that you receive there. But church ain't all about receiving. It's about giving. Sometimes you need to show up because there is somebody else here that God is saying, I need you. And the testimony that I have put you through, I need you to show that to somebody else. So you better be here because somebody else needs what you have. And so now my mindset shifts. It says, now I don't show up to church because I only want to receive, but I show up to church so that I can give. You see, I would love to be a church, and I would love to be a church member or a church owner that says, I won't be a selfish church member, but I will be a serving church member. I don't want to be a selfish church member where church is all about me, and here I show up, and here I come, and this is my seat, this is my thing, this is what I do, that's my spot. They put rocks on my spot. Who put rocks out there on my parking spots? Praise God that we got rocks. You ain't got to walk in any mud anymore. Can I get an amen? So I'm just saying, sometimes we become very selfish with our church. It's my body, my pastor. I show up, and God's like, I need you to, I need you to serve. I need you to lay some things down here rather than just receive. I need you to give. I don't want you to be selfish. I want you to be serving. And what if, just imagine with me for a moment. What if you decided to serve on a team? And I'm not saying we have all these teams, but maybe you can help us develop some teams. You say, you know, I'm going to serve on a team. That means I'm not going to be able to sit in the seat that I want. But maybe somebody else sits in the seat that you want. And somebody else shows up on that Sunday, that Sunday that you're serving, and they receive the goodness of God and the grace of God and the free gift of eternal life. Meanwhile, you're in the back at the Welcome Center. They get saved, they get prayed for, they come to get their first time gift that we promised them, which really ain't that great, but they, you know, they show up and like, I've come to get my gift, and now you get to talk to them. And you get to maybe even pray for them again and encourage them and tell them what their next step is. Come on, if that ain't the body of Christ, I don't know what is. We are serving, not being selfish. And so I wanna be a church member that isn't selfish, but I wanna be a serving church member. Maybe you have some gifts that God is wanting you to use here, not just so you can receive, although that does happen, but God is wanting you to give. The third one is small groups. Now, I know many of you are part of a small group. Maybe you've been a part of one for quite some time, and maybe in this season we're not currently doing small groups, and January comes around, we're going to kind of release a new semester of small groups. But um, I don't want to talk too much about this. I know my dad mentioned this last week and about how important it is to have community and have people that you can, uh, you know, receive prayer, not just on Sundays, but people that you can share your needs, people that you can talk openly about, you know, your problems and your issues and your marriage issues and your kid issues. I'm not just talking about me up here, right? You know, all these other issues that you got going on that you're trying to work and be better at. That's the place to be. That's it. A small group. You know, I've heard it said, and I've kind of walked by this now, that I've actually stepped out and joined a small group, was that we're inspired in rows but we grow in circles. You could be inspired on a Sunday or inspired on a conference or inspired elsewhere, but it's in the circles. That's where it's happening, right? 
Some of y'all know this is true. Some of you know that the biggest miracles in your life and the biggest battles you've won is not because of a pastor praying for you at church. It's because of your small group members praying for you, fighting for you, loving you, encouraging you. I can't text you every single day, but your small group member could. And so maybe we haven't experienced the fullness of God because we don't know what it is to, have, to be in community with people. Ah, I got my spouse and my kids. That's all I need. That's not all you need. I show up to church on Sundays. I see everybody. It's a big community. It's a big circle, Jacob, big circle. Look around. This ain't a circle. Maybe it's for the first time stepping out and saying, God, this is going to be uncomfortable for me because I'm a man and I don't want to share. But uh, I'm going to step out and maybe join a small group of guys or a couple small group. And we're going to talk about scripture. You know, we're going to pray. Maybe we'll play basketball. I mean, that's my small group, right? Right? I got two guys here from my small group at my old church. That's our small group. We prayed together. We, uh, we, we would read scripture together. Man, we would shoot hoops together. I would mostly win most of the time, right? Right? No, that's not true. And, and, and then all of a sudden, I start, I'm, I'm, I'm edified. I'm, I'm just in a different place in my life now because I've stepped out and said, you know, I'm going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to share. And I'm going to have some accountability for once in my life. There's going to be some man or woman in my life who can speak to me, encourage me, and we're going to do this together. Life is not a solo act, church. We cannot do this alone. Tell the person next to you, I need you, and you need me. And that's it right there. Let's find some people that we can lock arms with. Iron sharpening iron, as Proverbs says. Walk in this journey. Let's find some people that we can do life with every week, every other week, or once a month. I don't know. I think it's going to be important for us. And come January as we talk more about this, and, you know, we don't have all the small groups. Maybe you're like, yo, I want to be a small group leader. Maybe that's the time for you to step up and say, I've got some giftings. I've got some organizational skills, or I, I can teach, or I can facilitate. I've can, I got a nice home that I can open up. Um, that's what we're going to be doing. Here's the fourth one and the last one. Give. Somebody say give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says in verse 6, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously, somebody say generously, will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful say it again for God loves a cheerful cheerful I buy everybody presents every single year I hate it that ain't cheerful I God loves a cheerful giver to say you know what but I I, I want to sow sparingly I want to I want to give sparingly knowing that God says the harvest will be abundant and it's not all about receiving remember it's about giving and so, so, Lord, I step out and I say, God, I, I understand that giving is not just something that I do. It's who I am. 
Giving has got to be something not that we just, you know, do out of obligation or we do because it's, it's a religious duty. We do it because, man, God has been so good to me. Therefore, I step out in faith and say, God, I'm just a steward of what I own. And so I give, whether it is finances, which is what we usually talk about. Maybe it's my energy. Maybe it's my time. Maybe it's the space that I have. Maybe it's, you know, the, the home that I have. God, whatever it is, I'm going to give knowing that in, Jesus says this in Luke 6, 38. He says, give and it will be given to to you. Press down, good measure, shaken together, running over. It'll fall and be poured into your lap for the measure you use. Listen, church, for the measure you use, it'll be used right back to you. Again, giving something is not something we do. Giving is something that we are. So I don't know about you, but perhaps your next step today is saying, you know what? I got to change my way of life because really it's about, you know, gather everything I can gather Put it all together and be proud and show somebody what I got. I put a price tag on my home right in the front lawn so everybody knows what I paid. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what people do. This is what we do. Every time we buy something, what's the first thing we do? I got I to gotta tell everybody what I got. <laughs> I got to show them. I got to show people the shoes I just bought. I got to show them. Oh, man, it's just so good. And all of a sudden, we start to, like, build ourselves up. And, man, so-and-so's got everything. So-and-so's got, he's got all the things, all the ladies. They got just the biggest house, the most money, the biggest job. And, and meanwhile, inside, you know that you're, there's no joy. You know there's no, there's no happiness or joy found in all that you're buying and all that you're presenting and all that you're receiving. There's, there's, there's joy, though, in giving, right? It's just something about it. It's just something about saying, you know what, what I have, I don't even need. If the Son of Man had no idea where he was going to lay his head, it don't matter where I'm going to lay my head. Now, now that I have a family and responsibilities, yeah. Now that I'm a, a citizenship of, of this kingdom, uh, there's some responsibilities, yeah. But, but God, I'm going to trust you. If you take care of the birds and you take care of the flowers and the lilies of the field, it says how much more valuable are you? And so maybe for the first time ever, it's saying, God, I'm going to stop living selfishly and I'm going to start living generously. And saying, God, what I have really in mind, I'm just a steward of it and so I'm going to give. My dad started this when we were young. We were like, I don't know, when were you enslaving us to do chores around the house, <laughs> which we didn't get paid for? Um, but we started, you know, mowing lawns. I mean, JC, you know what I'm talking about. I was like 12 pushing that lawnmower, weed eating, weed whacking, whatever you call it. Me and my brother would fight over which one would get to ride the lawnmower and which one would have to do the edging and the weed eating. We used to fight, but we would get paid. And my dad said, so we came, we came in and be like, yo, you know, $5. They were cheap back then, but you know, whatever, $5. Let's use a better example because I'm not great at math. $10. $10. But dad would say 10% of that is the Lord's, so that's $1. 10%. That's it. 10%. I make $100. It's a tithe. If if you give that back to the Lord, that's his. And if you really want to trust and you really want to be thankful and you really want to be obedient with all that you have, set up a recurring tithe. Something that you don't have to every single time you show up. Oh, we forgot last week. Oh, we forgot last week. My wife and I, we have it on our phone. We set it up. It's automatic every two weeks. It's just saying, God, in, in one act of obedience, I thank you and I trust you. Come on. I, I thank you and I trust you. 
Not even just with finances. I know that's what I'm talking about right now. But I thank you with my resources and I trust you with my resources. I thank you for my efforts and I trust you with my efforts. In, the, in one act of obedience, we can nail two things at once. Come on. I'm saying, God, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Proverbs 11:24 says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. But do you realize how 2020 been for me? It's been crazy. I don't really have anything. It's been difficult. I don't really got much. It's been stressful. I can't just sit here and throw out a bunch of money that I don't have. What about what you do have? I think we often look at, you know, when I, when I get there, right? How many have said that before? When I get there, oh, God, you're going to get it all. When I win the lottery, you're going to get it all, Jesus. Mm, come on, somebody. I'm praying the Lord's favor over these numbers right now, Jesus. Come on. You're going to get a million of it. Well, how about the $20 you do have? How about what you do have now is what God is concerned about? Let him be concerned about what you don't have because what you don't have, you may get, and that's up to him. But I'm going to be faithful with what I have. And so I'm going to give. And so maybe your next step today, and I know we already talked about it, and I'm certainly not going to take up, you know, an offering right here, right now. I'm not going to do that. But maybe today it's saying, you know what, next week, two weeks from now when we get paid. I know we got a lot of bills. I know I got all these things I got to figure out. But um, we're going to be faithful with the 10%. We're going to give. And we're going to do it every time we get paid. And God's going to honor that. and He's going to bless that. And I've seen in church, I've seen so many testimonies. Again, God says, test me in this. He says this in scripture. He's like, yo, test me in this. Just watch. Watch what I'll do. But uh, I've seen so many stories of people. One of my good friends who was struggling financially. The business wasn't going. And all of a sudden, he stepped out and he said, you know what? We're going to give. We don't really have much. We're going to give. We're going to give. And God blessed him. Blessed his business. And you probably heard story after story after story about saying, you know what? What I have isn't mine. So maybe today your next step is one of those. If we're going to be the body, let's be the body. Let's not just be a part, but let's do our parts. Let's start inviting people to church. Maybe that's the easiest step for you today. I've never invited anybody to church. I've never shared a post on social media. I'm going to do that today or manana, whatever it is. I'm going I'm to do that. That's easy for me. I can do that. I got you. I'm going to invite. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I'm going to sign up and be a part of a team. I'm going to serve with kids. I, I can play an instrument or I'm, I got a great smile. I can open up a door or, yo, I can park people. I can do that. I can wave. That's all you want me to do is stand out there in the street and wave. Yo, I do that at my store. I flip that sign thing. Yo, sign me up. I'll do that. Maybe it's being a part of a small group and getting real with your faith, getting real with Jesus and saying, I need accountability. I need community because I cannot do this on my own. Or maybe it's giving. Whatever it is, I don't know what God is leading you to do. You can do this right now in this moment. In fact, take out your phones real quick if you can. And if you can't, we'll have some people outside in the lobby. If you go to vlcministries.com slash next steps, it's real easy. There's just a few. We, just the ones I talked about, including baptism. If you're like, I want to get more information on baptism, baptism. I want to invite people to church, invite. Maybe you want to do all of them all at once. Praise God. We're going to pray for strength and energy for all of those, but you want to do all of them, just click all of them and we'll get back with you and give you some more information. And if you can't do that right now, we'll have some people in the back. They'll have a name tag. They'll have their phone and they can help you do that. But would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe a next step today is just simply saying, you know what? I just need to start coming to church and I need to start being real in my faith. And again, I want to encourage you to go back to last week's message. 
and see what spiritual next steps you can take. Again, you're gonna see the benefits of what God is gonna do in your life and people's lives around you when you step out and say, yo, this ain't about me. This is about everybody else. And so I'm gonna step out, God. I'm gonna live sacrificially, not selfishly. I'm gonna lay down my pride and I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna serve. Remember, I, I do this out of the love that I have for God. I do this now that I love him. It compels me to walk with him and do things for him. It's obedience and it's service. And maybe today you want to make a next step. And so would you pray with me with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Father God, I, I thank you that you are so good and so amazing. Well, we fall short all of the time. But yet you look past our sins. You look past our, you know, mistakes, past our flaws. And you say, I love you. I want to use you. I believe in you. You have purpose. You mean something. And so if you're here in this room and today you're saying, you know what, Jacob, I got a next step and it's one of those. I got a next step. I have a next, I know exactly which one I need to take and I wanna take one. I wanna pray that you'd have the courage to do so. It's gonna be challenging. It's not gonna be easy stepping out on the boat. It's not gonna be easy when you start getting a bunch of, no, I don't wanna go to church when you start inviting people. It's gonna be challenging when you start looking for a small group and you find people that you don't like. It's not gonna be easy, but God never said it would be easy. It'd be easier following his commands, however, when you love him with everything you have. And so I wanna pray for those who say, you know what? I wanna take one of those next steps. So Father God, I thank you for everybody in this place. Lord, if those people in this room or watching online say, you know what, I, I know what I need to do, I'm gonna do it. I pray you give them the boldness to do so. And Lord, I do pray for anybody in this room that doesn't know you. And if I go back to, to experiencing the fullness of God, what we talked about in Matthew, the fullness of God, it's really starting off with knowing who you are. And so maybe there is somebody in this room that does not know you. Maybe they're far from you. Maybe they're a million steps away. It's only one step back. And so God, would you be glorified in this moment? Would you be honored in this moment? If there's just one soul that says, you know what, I need to invite Jesus in my life. It's been a long time and I have just been running and running. Jesus says, stop running. I got you. You're broken, I got you. You're bruised, I got you. You got issues, I got you. You got problems, guess who the problem solver is? Me, I got you. And so with everybody, would you repeat this after me? And if there's one person that means it, would you declare it? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Make me new, a new creation. I wanna live for you. I wanna be like you. And I wanna imitate you so that I can be in unity and so that I can experience the fullness of God. I am your child, and God, you are my father. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Can we put our hands together, even if it was one person that made that decision? Hey, let's worship Jesus. Come on. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.